And Gabby's Robbo. Uh, yeah, that's right. Jules on holiday this week. What a shock. Um, it's getting cold in West London, but what a show we have because it's international football, Robbo. Yeah. Uh, big stakes, World Cup qualifying in South America. And of course, throughout Europe, there's a lot going on. Um, but we're going to start with the group involving Spain, Norway, and Scotland. <laughs> the group that Scotland and Spain looks like they're going to qualify. Norway, not. 100% out of it yet. They can take the route via the playoffs, but it's a conundrum for me, Robin. Mm-hmm. Uh, after losing last night at home to uh, to Spain, um, the Spain team really didn't have that much to play for. Mm-hmm. Now they're literally on the brink of missing out on another major tournament uh, after the World Cup. And these World Cups and Euros get bigger and bigger. And weirdly, Norway, despite Erling Holland, despite Martin Udegaard, despite Sanderberg, despite... All of these stars, they're in danger. And who better to help us understand this than... He'll understand it all. Well, <laughs> Slobaka. No, Slobaka. I need to be even better. But we'll get the next best thing. We'll get Jan August Jortov. Jan, obviously, you're a fan. You've been involved with the Norway setup. Somebody looks at this and says, wait a minute, you have such riches. Why? Why the struggles? Why the struggles against, with all due respect, Scotland? I know small, small, smaller nations. It is about generations. It's the luck of the draw. But, you know, Scotland don't have the great generations that they've had in the past right now. And Norway do. Yeah, and it's, it is a good question. And what's quite peculiar that these questions are more put to me from people outside Norway because in Norway we tend to have a football discussion we're so happy that we can put some passes together against Spain we couldn't do that either we couldn't play out from the back Spain were in all kind of departments better than us that is point one Uh, we brought the king in we brought the prime minister in we brought the minister of sport in we could have sold 100,000 tickets and we're ending up playing a bad bad game and you Gab you were talking about it a bit because this is a very unbalanced Norwegian t- team. You have Erling Holland and Martin Ødegaard going forward, fantastic. You have midfield players. You, you said Sander Berg. I would also put him put in Ausnes, who's playing for Benfica. He's playing yes. in Champions mm. League. Very, very talented player. We have two young kids in Nutsa, Bob Nutsa from Bruges, and uh, Bob, of course, from from Manchester City. But what they do have in common is that they are in the department of creativity. And Norway, historically, we were always a good nation of defenders. Back in, and I'm not saying everything was better in the past, which is obviously worse, but I'm not saying that. And we had defenders all over the place. We had Ronald Jonsson, Henningberg, we had Rune Bratzett at Werder Bremen. We had Ellen Jonsson, who played nine years with Chelsea and couldn't get into the national team. And no, we don't produce defenders anymore which is quite the big discussion here, I think. I have one theory that we can uh, just put out there. I think that we in Norway, we use a lot of AstroTurfs. That sounds, what is that to do with defenders? BS, because when you play on AstroTurf, everybody wants to be central midfielders. Everybody wants to do a trick. Everybody wants to do the Cruyff turn. Nobody, and we had this discussion in Norway, in England as well, saying nobody wants to have a target in life to be Gary Neville. But the Gary Nevels of this world, they are the main players in, in, in great teams, and we have to get defenders, and we don't have it. Robo, Jan listed all of the attacking mm. uh, riches. He didn't even mention the only living sore loss in captivity as well. You can chuck him into the mix as, as a goal scorer yeah. too. Um, I want to ask you about 
Spain and Scotland, because obviously Spain, the accusation has been that they've been unbalanced in the past. Um, Scotland, the accusation is everything's negative and depressing, the glory days, where's dog leash, blah, blah, blah. But he's found the balance. Can, can you say some nice things about Scotland? Yes, and, and you're absolutely right. He has found the balance. They've defended well all around the pitch. They've got a game plan that they work to. They've got one or two players that are, are above average, like Robertson and, and players like that. Um, certainly in the front areas, you haven't, they haven't got top quality players, but they play to a system. We saw in the friendly against England that when they're up against the very best nations, they're going to struggle. Although they beat stand by England, too. yeah, but they 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 um, they beat Spain, of course, at home, which was one of their best performances for a long, long time. But the manager has got the team playing for him. Uh, the crowd have got behind him. The nation have got behind him, and you can see the confidence builds with when they go on these trips and when they play in these games. So Scotland and Steve Clark have done a good job to get where they are at the moment. All right, let's talk a little bit more about Spain because hmm. I, I think what we're seeing a little bit with the bigger nations they rattle off five six wins i mean you see this with you see this with england you see this maybe a little bit with france although france is slightly different dynamic um and obviously you know spain did have their nose bloodied with scotland and they left went to taking over and whatever but for them it, the, the, the leagues are so big it's almost like a nuisance mm-hmm. you couldn't have a misstep so i get the impression that sometimes coaches try to bring in players who might have that little bit of extra motivation. So when I looked at this lineup, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. he's, he's played Laporte and Lenormand before at the back. Yeah. Right? So yeah, let me you know play for somebody who's maybe not a superstar like like Lenormand. Let me play play the guy who's living in Saudi Arabia and is maybe dying to get Europe to remember that mm-hmm. it still exists. Um, let me play Ansu Fati, mm-hmm. who you know a year ago next big thing at Barcelona, and now he's on loan at Brighton. And he's certainly not an automatic choice. Um, but then the glue keeping it all together was was Rodri. And, and let me start with you, Jan. You were really impressed with the way they lined up. I mean, argue, this is not Spain's best 11 in the sense that obviously the, 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 there was no Pedri or Yosaba, who I think should always start, came on, obviously no Dani Olmo or whatever. But they had the measure, yeah? They had, absolutely. I'm, imagine... <laughs> You come to Norway. I'm not saying Norway is a dangerous place to come for uh, any opponent uh, at present time. But still, you come there. This is our chance. Spain, as you were saying, Spain would have still made it. The, the two games they, they will play, they, they, they would have made it. But it was something about, and I think it was the first 15 minutes, there was 75% of ball possession. There, there was something about the balance in, in the way that they played. Rodri, of course, being the key he, with a cigar and a paella in the middle, he was like above everybody what he was steering the, the play. No, never stressed, not never stressed at all. They played out from the back. I'm allergic to playing out uh, from the back when you are a bad team. I think that should only be allowed for Manchester City, Barcelona, Real Madrid, <laughs> and Spain. So that, that's where I'm coming from. It, it depends, Jan, whether you're allowed to play it from the back. And Norway uh, allowed Spain to play it from the back because they that, just that, played, they just played with a, one up front. And Odegaard went back into midfield, so they played almost a 4-1-4-1. And it allowed Spain to develop the play, which makes it easier for a, a team like Spain because they can then make their movements, then they can make their runs. And Carvajal had the freedom of the park down the right-hand side. I thought well, Norway helped Spain by not really pressing them too high up the field. Valid point, but it is, it's always, do they do that because they're afraid? When you you know, when you don't do the high pressure, is that you're sometimes afraid yeah. that you will be played mm. out, you know? Absolutely. And, I, I, and that's why I started with, 
this could be a place I, I would love to see Norway being top over them, straight at them, go into Rodri, make a free kick after five minutes, take a yellow card, get Rodri down. That's what I wanted to see. Didn't happen. So, but I'm, but when we are talking about Spain as well, and we, we can talk about the Morata. Morata, how long has he been alone? He's been in, he's in everywhere. Then he suddenly turns up as being a captain. He's he's everywhere. Very very clever striker. He 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 was also a part of their playing. There was never stress around their game, and that's what I like. I I, I see a lot of games when I, I work, of course, and then you sit with your thoughts and you're thinking of your interviews and everything. So I, I was watching this game and just watching Spain, how how calm they were on the ball, how calm they were the way they played up. Yeah, Robo, very valid point. They played Norway, but Norway should have taken them on. And that's mm. what I'm most disappointed. We would have maybe lost 2 or 3 nil anyway if we went all in. But still, we would have gone all in. We weren't at the game at all. And Spain, two, three classes above us. And that is what is disappointing me the day after we were out of, more or less out of the Euros. Yeah, I mean, you always wonder what... what well, first of all, shout out to Monata. Mm. Um you know, I've been a long time mm-hmm. fan. He's averaging nearly a goal a game this season. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, it's in typical Morata fashion, mm-hmm. like the the the, the tapping that he gets, where if he doesn't touch it, it's an own goal in the first half, and it gets in the the second one where he's he's off. He's, I, he could have been offside. I, he didn't yeah. know if he was onside mm-hmm. or offside. Without that, yeah, Avi doesn't score. The goal gets chalked off. Let's not forget that, right? So it's, it's almost like. You know, he's like the kid in Charlie Brown that always has a cloud of o- over him, right? Like, <laughs> it, you know, it seems like bad things always happen around him, but a lot of good things do. And 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 I think he's showing so much personality as he gets older. Yes. Uh, Murata, when I saw him play for Juventus, Bury, where you saw a lot of him play, uh, he, for me, was one of the best strikers in the world at that particular time. He could receive balls into his body. He could turn people. He could run past people. He was scoring goals. He was making goals. He was drifting out to the left-hand side. And if ever there's a player... You can guarantee when he's lacking confidence, will play badly. And when he's full of confidence, he plays really well. He's the player that epitomizes that. You know, I've, I've, he just makes strange decisions when his confidence is low. The ball will be played into him and he'll try and play a ball back 50 yards to the right back rather than actually getting hold of it. So the only problem with Morata is his mentality. His actual ability, his technical ability is as good as any centre forward around the world at times. He's he, for me for me, Gab. He's Scotty Pippen. He's Scotty Pippen. He's always playing with a superstar, and we we tend to forget how good he really is. You know, he's some yeah. somewhere in the shadow. But that's why I I so enjoyed watching him yesterday. Yes, he did that to the goal. That is an instinct. You you want to score that goal. You 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 didn't think of the rules in your head. You wanted to get that ball over the line. But he, sometimes, as Robo is saying, with his mentality, sometimes also with his. Um, uh, with his body language, then again, yes. he doesn't look like he's in there. Like he's, he does, like he looked like he exploded. But what a striker! There are not many strikers of his generation around who who knows his football as good as Morata. Uh, yeah, I want to I want to get you back on, on on the on the approach that Norway took in this game, and and specifically around Erling Holland, because um, it looked to me like a lot of times. It was long balls and stuff, and this might have also to do with with, with Spain's heavy possession. Mm. You win it back, you release him, see what happens. Maybe he gets fouled, maybe run somebody over and scores. Um, when you play for Manchester City, you get a certain type of service 
which necessarily is going to be very different from the kind of service you get with Norway, because, you know, let's face it, other than Udegaard, I don't know anybody else who's getting close to that, that, that city 11. Um, but then I think back, okay, this guy also, okay, when he was at Salzburg, he also had a dominant team. When he was at Dortmund, though, he scored a ton of goals on a team that was often all over the place, you know, maybe probably more talented than Norway, but equally not a team that was dominant all the time. Hey, is he, is it the right approach to get the best out of him? Um, you know, sort of keeping it tight and then waiting for him to do something or hoping that you can get him the ball in one on one situations or yeah. is, is there, could there have been a tweak there other than the whole team being more aggressive towards him? Because obviously he's not going through a great patch right now in terms of, I mean, I say this. Hmm, you see him missing a lot of goals, but then you look at it and he's still scoring like, you know, sort of the goal every 100 uh, but, minutes. So it's just exceptional, right? Well, I, what's I think, your take? I think there is a, 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 first, a bit fact. He has played 28 games for Norway and scored 27 goals. I mean, let's t- just take that. So so he's scoring goals but, also for Norway. Uh, that is point one. Point two in, in his kind of patches that he doesn't score. And he, I, was it three goals? games now before he scored two uh, had a brace against Cyprus uh, the other day uh, also when you see Manchester City now uh, he's tying up a lot of players in the middle so they get one against one on the side seems that the opponents haven't noticed that that is also part of the tactic of of Manchester City I think that what, what you're saying is that it will be very hard for Erling Haaland to do the success that he's had for Manchester City of course it will at, at Norway he won't have a De Bruyne around him. He won't have a Silva. He won't have a Rodri who kind of make the balance in the team. But that's what it is. That I mean, there are so many advantages being a Norwegian, but when it goes to qualify for tournaments, it's a bad thing to have a red passport of Norway. Of course it is. That is the problem we are having. We are like 23 years away now from our last tournament. That is scandalous. And, and, and it's interesting that I discussed this with you. In, because in Norway, uh, Stolle Solbakken will say, now we have improved and this and that. And then you have people like Chetarekta, I remember him. We were all teammates in the same team. And he said, this is a fiasco. How can you not get enough out of this team? And and all that kind of thing. And of course, the first, first one you would point at is Elling. You would point at Martin because they are going to take us into the heaven of, of football tournaments. But again, Elling... He has scored nearly one goal in in a, in a game for Norway, so he's doing. He's not the main problem. If he's the if he is the main problem, I mean, well, then we have to have a look at the other problems. He might not be the he might not be the main problem. Certainly not the main problem. But I think sometimes the manager that's playing him starts to say because we've got such a great striker up front who can run in behind and he's strong and powerful then we can defend a lot deeper because yeah. we can get more we can be more compact in midfield we can be trying to be more compact at the back so you end up isolating him and he's got far more work to do and he doesn't become so effective and that was no, that's the a point, good point the, and then and I think that was kind of the point mm. I was making when when he plays for City yeah obviously sometimes City have the ball in transition and stuff and you know, he's but even not. against Arsenal, when they were playing out from the back, they didn't get it into him enough from back to front when they, when he was available. Most of the time, he has players around him, mm. right? Uh, I know Pep made the point that, oh, look, you know, he, he maybe hasn't scored because he's got five mm. players on top of him. I mean, it doesn't happen that much because if I put five mm. players on early Holland, then 
you know, Doku and Microsoft and whoever else are, are, are free. Um, but I, I am wondering about that. When week in, week out, you're used to playing in a certain way. You go with your national team. I mean, against Spain, De La Fuente is not going to say, oh my God, it's Erling Holland. Let's man mark him, everybody, but put three people on him and whatever, because he's going to go there and say, no, we're Spain. I'm going to keep the, the Lucha thing going. We're going to go and, you know, I, I'm going to tell Laporte, Laporte, you can, you can, you, you got him one on one, even if he doesn't, mm. but, you know, whatever, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. Because you're a big team. You have to think like that. And so, in light of that, I, I go back to this thing about being isolated. Mm. If we had a little bit more support, maybe if, I mean, Alces is, is, is a very good player. We saw it last year at Benfica, especially in the first half of the season. But maybe if somebody got closer to him, I yeah. tried to play a one-two rather than just releasing into space with Norway. I, I, I mean, you're the striker, Jan. Am I reading this? Is is this the right, sir? Is this the right use of Erling Holland? Well, yeah, but I, yeah, I understand what you're saying because when we played, if if we basically say we play four-five-one. That's what we do. I was the lone striker for Norway, and, and you you make a val- valid valuable point that sometimes then you feel very isolated, and you and not only that you need a De Bruyne around you, you just need someone around you. That is to to get that. The problem is, of course, when you the identity of the way Norway play. Robo was talking about the way we played in the nineties. We were more. We, we had our play get we we took a long ball up to a striker or the Jostan floor we had midfielders coming if that's been a Leonardson coming flying up or this mini Jacobs and going for the second ball we don't do that the problem we had last night that there was no identity in our team we didn't pressure we tried to pressure one and one when the play was okay I'm I'm not against the long ball but then you need to support the striker yeah. because if the support the, the main thing for a, for a striker is not always to win the header, but to avoid the defender to win the header. So then you have to have people to jump in. We didn't have that. We don't have those kind of players. And then you you, you will end up have a lack of identity. It's a bit this, it's a bit that. You know? We and that's so what I'm happy- going back. I was going back to yeah. the point I made earlier, that if Norway had pressed higher up the field and stopped Le Mans... Uh, trying to play out from the back with Laporte and made it more difficult for Rodri, then they would have had to have gone longer and it would be a chance for the bigger or the centre-halves of Norway to win the balls against Morata. Mar- yeah. And then when they win the ball, they're closer to Erling Haaland rather than rather than having to play long balls into him and then no support to him and he gets isolated and he doesn't get so many touches. If you were winning the ball back higher up the field, he's involved in the game far more than if you're trying to defend deeply. Yeah. And uh, that's the problem. But we going back to the defenders. We don't trust the defenders, Robo. Mm, so if yeah. we do a high pressure, we are afraid that we will be taken on speed. For example, we have Stefan Stramberg in there. He's good one against one, but one over the top, and he's gone because he's too slow. And but I if, think that's, but if, you, if, that's you're, if you're if you're pressing higher up the field, the players on the ball for the opposition have left time on the ball to pick out the right passes. Yeah. Yeah. The problem so, is the players on the ball are Gavi and Rodri and Fabian. I'm talking about the back players. It's, you, if if you press well, it's much easier for Norway's defenders to see the ball coming than when yeah. it's being played from 10, 15 yards away. I, Hey, Jan is too polite to chew mm. his own horn, so yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it for him. Um, Norway qualified, yeah, for the 1998 World Cup, yeah. um, for the first time in 60 years. Uh, Norway are kind of like you guys are kind of like the cutter of Europe, right? Except you don't go and uh, buy World Cups uh, so that you can then host them and qualify. You actually <laughs> won it. 
on the pitch, right? And they were in a qualifying group mm-hmm. with Poland, yeah, our house, Turkey, right? A lot of people, England, mm-hmm. okay, and San Marino, right? And uh, only- Netherlands, Netherlands. Oh, sorry, and uh, and yeah. and Holland, <laughs> right? Uh, who won that group? Uh, we won it, uh, uh, and we were more surprised than everybody else. We scored the most goals. This is the do enough like that generation of England, Graham yeah. Taylor. This is the, the generation. We qualified for 94, 96. We we should have qualified, but we we, met, we played a 1-1 at home in the last minute. Czechos, Czechoslovakia, the Czechs did it. 98, we were there. 2000, we were there. So there is, there is something that is interesting. Is Instead of asking, why don't we qualify now? What did we do then? I think that is quite interesting because that was more surprisingly that we don't qualify as we do now. But it was quite clear, and it was quite clear at that particular time that Norway had a, a slightly different style of play to everybody else. But you knew yeah, exactly what you were doing. The coach knew what he wanted from you. He got that across to you, and you made it difficult for the. And then you got confidence because you knew exactly what you were doing. Yeah, and a trust well there to, to the to the game. It's, it's easier, of course. And I got a theory as well. If, if if I may say Manchester United, when you have now with with uh, Mourinho with 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 Solskjaer, you have uh, Ten Hag, and they all got the same problem. They're starting well, and then they're drifting off. And and I think that is easier. And I'm not talking down our own performance in the nineties, but it's easier to play on the opponent. You 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 get yourself back. You go on the counter attack. The problem with Manchester United is you are expected to kind of do the game. We were never expected to do the game. I remember we bought uh, beat Ghana at Ullevol. I, I can't remember any Norwegian touched the ball and we won 3-2. The last two goals were a long throw in, your staff low flicking, I was on a volley on the back paddle. Two, 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 two. We, these generation of players, Robo, they wouldn't accept that. Yes. Manchester United don't accept that only play on but- counter-attacks and Norwegians, we are so happy now that we sometimes... Every now and again, can play out from the, from the back and look like a proper football team. And then I will quote Otto Rehagel, my favorite quote, to man. He said, "Modern football is to win football games." Yeah. Okay, so basically, I'm going to try to synthesize. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're basically saying that if you are in Norway or Scotland, the way the modern game is, you need to play. You need to have a strong identity. Absolutely. You need to play to your strengths, and that might. Mean being pragmatic mm-hmm. in certain games, yeah, adapting to it. And if I'm Scotland, I don't try to play like Manchester City, mm-hmm. and maybe yeah, yeah. that's why they're doing so well in the group. And that's yeah. why everywhere you on board with that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I always say, and I played under some some decent coaches, some other coaches that I, I still wouldn't know what their game plan is. You know, if if we'd have, if I'd been their man, if they'd have been my manager for fifteen years. But there were certain coaches that you knew exactly what you re- was expected of you, what game plan you had when you went out on the field, and you then grew in confidence because you knew what you were going to do and the opposition didn't always know what you were going to do. So you played to a certain game plan and it was the, to your strengths as well. And that's what makes Scotland at the moment a decent side. I, uh, so wrap this, I'm going to plug my own story as you mean. Regular. That's, that's, that, I was going to say that's the first time you've ever done that. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's called synergy. But I, I had the opportunity to sit down with with Rafaela Pimenta, who was Mino mm. Raiola's longtime super agent, Mino Raiola's mm. longtime um, business partner for for nearly thirty years. We after Raiola passed away in in April of last year, a lot of people said, okay, you know, he was the whole show. 
she's going to lose a bunch of clients inevitably. Mm. She's going to fade into the background and she lost some clients, but many stayed, some they added and she represents people like, like Matthias Delake, like, like Paul Pogba, uh, like Marco Verratti. And she also represents this Erling Holland fellow. And one of the themes that I was interested in is, um, you know, she's possibly, arguably the most influential women in football. I mean, if she's not the top, she's, she's right up there. And she just sort of talked about kind of, I, I assume she didn't face the hurdles that women sometimes face in, in male-dominated industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says that absolutely, you know, she still does. She's reminded of it mm-hmm. all the time, despite having been at the top for 30 years. But she said it was maybe a little bit different in dealing with uh, Holland and, and Holland's family, or, or Team Holland, as they... As and Jan as well. Was Jan included in that? She did not mention Jan. She did. She, <laughs> you know, she, she mentioned she mentioned uh, Alfie Holland and yeah. uh, Egil Olstenstad and the people who work mm. with him. But um, the suggestion was that maybe it's because when it comes to people growing up accustomed to seeing women in positions of power, decision-making power, Norway is in a different place than most of the rest of Europe. And so I want to get your take on it, Jan, because Norway, you had your first female prime minister in the in the early 80s. Uh, even today in Norway, I think the previous prime minister before this one was also a woman. Even today, I mean, you just even in sports, right? You, you would think the three biggest sports mm-hmm. in Norway, right? Football, run by a woman, um, uh, Lise Klavesen, uh, uh, skiing, skiing run by a woman and athletics run by a woman now your king is still a man i believe but <laughs> otherwise he'd be a queen but is there any truth to this like did you did you not think about oh look mrs so when you were a kid like oh look you know mrs so-and-so is the local chief of police not a big deal doesn't not no. odd to me at all no, not a big at all, uh, big uh, issue at all by us. I see Rafael is saying the right things. That is what is in, in Norway. We we don't care about that. Uh, when I speak to Rafael, I don't think she's a man or a woman. Uh, she's uh, just a clever to what she's doing. And I think that cu- culture is very very strong in Norway. We also have the the public share companies got to be in all boards. Going to be forty percent women just to 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 get that in to get out because men like to pick men. And I, and I think that is also one of the reasons we are so against international federations. Have a look at the federal, the, the ski federation. I think there is one woman and she is voted in. Same with UEFA, same with FIFA, same with IOC. That's why we Norwegians love the Olympic Games and we don't like IOC. That is so into our core that we would, would like to have gender equality all over the pitch. And we, we don't see that. And that is never an issue. Are we sometimes also behind in women's football? Of course we are, because that takes time. You have to change a culture. It's getting better and better. But I think that that is a, a spot-on analysis of, of Rafael. That is not an issue. It's not. A, it's not that even we think of it. That is just the way it is. Right. Well, mind you, didn't in the eighties wasn't a, a Britain run by a woman? And a woman? We also had a, a queen <laughs> as well, Margaret Thatcher, and and we also had the queen. Yeah, I think you find a lot of people would disagree <laughs> with your characterization of Margaret Thatcher. But we'll track that. We can train the show. Well, ultimately, though, I, am I right? I like to remind people of this. Right, the biggest sovereign wealth fund in the world isn't in Saudi Arabia or in Qatar or so mm-hmm. on. It's actually in Norway. And Jan, correct me if I'm wrong. That's also run by a woman. 
No, that is uh, I, last time I checked, he was oh. a man. Okay, all right, all right. Sure, sure. But 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 you but you're right. The the head of our bank, the the big banks, that is a Norwegian girl, and I think that's your thought of her. Uh, but but as you say, that is never an issue in Norway, and I, and I think that is that is brilliant. And uh, Margaret Thatcher and and the, the, the Queen, <laughs> they were along. But I think what is is quite interesting is that. I think things are changing now, and I think the reason things will change in the right direction in terms of gender equality is that the the sponsor budget, the companies are also run by women. So if you come in and say in sport, you say, "Hey, listen, we want your money," but you say, "But you, fifty percent of the inhabitants, they don't have a say." Then the sponsor will say, "No, we can't. We can't sympathize with that. We we don't want to be identified with that." I think that the sports, if they don't change, and especially international federation, if they don't change. And is, there's one thing they understand, it's the sound of money. Sound of money can change things. And uh, I, I just hope that will that will will be the future because as we are now with this uh, men organization around Europe is or, or the world, is not good for our sport that we love. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. All right, enough Norway. How about some quick hits instead? Absolutely. Let's go. Huge game at Wembley tomorrow night, Robbo, as Italy take on England. My boys have had a bumpy ride, but they beat Malta at the weekend 4-0. How'd they look? They looked okay. Uh, some old players coming back. Bonaventura scored the, a great goal. With Captain his right Jack got us high, yeah. baby. Playing quite high up the field. Berardi scored a couple of good goals as well. It's not a team that I, when you look at them on paper, it's not a team I would say uh, should beat England. It's, but if Spalletti gets the best out of them, if they work to a certain game plan, if they can keep the ball in the right areas, they can still cause one or two problems. But overall, I think England will beat Italy. Meanwhile, Gab, Tonali and Zaniolo had to pull out the Italy squad as they're being investigated for betting on football. What might that mean, not just for them, but for Newcastle and Aston Villa? So, yeah, so this is a shock investigation. Um, it started actually with Juventus midfielder mm-hmm. Nicolo Fagioli. Um, according to the reports, he is a gambling addict. It's not mm-hmm. 100% clear whether he was actually betting on sports or he certainly he lost more than a million euros, reportedly. Um, you know, and this is young, professional football, he's a young kid. It's not, like, it's not like he's Cristiano Ronaldo in terms of what he can afford to lose. Um, Tonali and Zagnolo have taken very different approaches. Neither one is actually spoken, but Zagnolo's uh, sources close to Zagnolo say that he never bet on sports of any kind, yep. and he was simply playing online poker. 
Sandro Tonali has apparently come out, uh, or his people have come out and suggested that he has a gambling addiction. Um, it's I haven't come out and said that he has not bet on on football. Um, I, I think, but the maximum fine we're talking three years, and if they've been mm. found to be bet on their own, uh, so maximum punishment three years, and if they found to have bet on their own teams, then it could be as high as five years. So you can imagine this is a serious blow for. Newcastle just spent eighty million on Donali, and mm-hmm. of course Villa uh, with with Zaniolo as well. Um, I'd been very hard on football. I, I don't think this is something that, that can be tolerated. Um, applied to even Tony, uh, and it applies here too. Uh, the best thing they can do is tell the truth. Certainly, in, as far as Zaniolo is concerned, if it is, if it's true that he never bet on football. I don't think that there is that there is a problem. Yeah. It's not a crime to go and lose money at the casino. Donali's yeah. situation more complex, but right now we don't have facts. We just have reports. So, main thing is that they go and get help and and cooperate. England uh, warmed up for this game with a one 0 win over Australia with Ollie Watkins bagging goal in his debut. Robbo, is he the right backup for Harry Kane? I think he is. Uh, I look at someone like Callum Wilson who, when I watched Newcastle last year, I can think Newcastle are a good team and, and it went up to the front plan. I know he scored goals and I think, has, is he really a top-class player, Callum Wilson? Uh, I don't think so. Ollie Watkins, I think he's got all-round ability. I think he's got that enough pace. Do you think he's more technical than I think Wilson? He is, absolutely is. Hmm. He's right. got a, more ability to run in behind. I think he's a better player with his back to goal. I think he's more clever with his little one-twos and, and he can see a pass as well. I think he's a very good player. And I can't believe he hasn't been in the squad a little bit earlier than this game against Australia. Now, Jordan Henderson was booed at Wembley by England fans. Gareth Southgate says he doesn't understand it because Henderson has 79 caps and his commitment and performances for England have been exceptional. Can you help him out, Gareth? Yes. And look, uh, as you know, I really like Gareth Southgate as a person. Mm-hmm. I have the privilege of meeting him and he's a good guy. And he I, says the same about you, Mike. And I think he's, he's a clever person. So I think he just said this because this is manager speak. Hmm. I think Gareth knows exactly why they booed him. They're not booing Jordan Henderson because they think he plays poorly for England or they think he's hmm. not committed to England. They're booing Jordan Henderson for one specific reason, because he went to Saudi Arabia after speaking out on LGBTQ rights, and they see that as something hmm. hypocritical, and they want to let him know. I, I hate this when managers come out and say, well, but he's a great servant for the club. Why are they booing him? Yeah. Right, they're booing him. Obviously, for something that has nothing to do with Jordan Henderson's football. Now, some may not like Henderson as a, as a player or whatever. That's not why they're booing. It's not, it's not why they're booing him. And also, this, don't, don't bring up the 79 caps. That's the past. Don't bring up coming in the past. They, 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 they talk about the present. Or don't talk about it. Don't get involved. Which I don't, I don't. Southgate shouldn't need to get involved in this, right? So I can understand why he said it. But, you know, let's also not play dumb here. You know why he's being booed. Holland lose at home to France 2-1 as Kylian Mbappe scores two goals. One of them, the second one, a legit one. Yeah. Goal. Ridiculous. And also it's the post. Robo, Jules isn't here to make fun of Ronald Koeman and call him the Dutch guy and all the stuff. Would you like to do it in his place? Because if they screw up against Greece tonight, they're likely headed for the playoffs. Yeah, they're not doing particularly well. I, you know, they didn't play well in this game against France. France had more possession. They had more chances. They couldn't cope with Kylian Mbappe. They didn't create enough chances of their own. Uh, they looked a little bit one-dimensional. Veghorst started up front. 
it just wasn't a very good performance. They played with a back four. Dumfries, normally a right wing back, was playing as the sort of right-sided winger or attacking player. He took a long time to bring Marlon. Yeah, who was he up against? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, the, and, the, and Marlon, the player that uh, proved to be their most dangerous player, came on uh, in the second half. So at the moment, Ronald Koeman's not doing a very good job and Holland don't look a particularly good team. Uh, Shout out to that guy Hartman, though. Good yeah, Hartman, goal. yeah, excellent goal. Now we're getting closer to resolving the Manchester United ownership issue, Gab. Sheikh Yazim has apparently pulled out once and for all and Sir Jim Ratcliffe is reportedly buying a quarter of the club for £1.4 billion and will get operational control. What does this mean? So, well, first of all, £1.4 billion, quarter of the club, this would value the club uh, for people to whom this is important. And by the way, to me, it is not super significant. It's really just a stupid Forbes list and other morons like that. Uh, advise a couple of five point six billion, so the Glazers can say, "Aha! Look, we were right. It is worth more than five billion." Um, I think behind the scenes, there will be. So this is good for the Glazers because they can get some of their cash out, and they can maybe even pay off some of mm-hmm. their siblings. The, the Glazer siblings were less interested in Manchester United because obviously Joel and and Avi. Glazer are are into it. Others, like, you know, Sister Darcy, I don't know how much of a... I don't think she's, I don't know if she's ever been to Old Trafford, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I think Jim Ratcliffe only does this if he gets control, right? He's not going to give $1.4 to the Glazers just so the Glazers can make the decision. So there will be, um, over time, and you presume Ratcliffe is going to put more money in, maybe his equity stake increases, there'll be some discussion about it. Um, about how things are likely to go. Uh, interestingly, was it's been reported, which I thought was interesting, is a lot of the top executives at the club, both on the sporting side and on the business mm-hmm. side, they wanted Sheikh Jassim. They didn't want Ratcliffe because essentially they fear for their jobs. They think Ratcliffe yep. is going to want to bring in some of his own people, like uh, that guy, um, cycling's his name, so D- Dave Brailsford. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see how that one goes, but. Some United fans disappointed because uh, they want to just see him. I, I think this is the beginning of the Glazers slowly moving out of the picture. Yeah. So all the people don't like the Glazers. I think, you know, I'm not saying you uncork champagne, but it is yeah. a happier day than it was yesterday. Speaking of Sir Jim, he reportedly wants to expand Old Trafford to 90,000. Um, so presumably this is to do generate more money. But, mm-hmm. Robert, I want to get from you. Um Beyond a certain number, does it make a difference whether it's sixty thousand or ninety thousand? I mean, not I've never in, not not, not not in terms of atmosphere. Uh, you're right. In, in, you know, from a from a, um, a building point of view, if you're going to sort of have to rebuild the stadium because it is looking old and tatty at the moment, you might as well build it. Have you got to knock something down? You might right. as well make it. They have no problems filling it. You'd have no. I don't think they'd have any problems filling it. Not not generally. Not for Premier League games. They might for one or two other games. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think it sounds like a good idea, to be honest. Brazil uh, held uh, to a one-all draw by Venezuela in South American qualification. Now, that's a bit of a shock for Fernando Denise, isn't it? Uh, yeah, the man who's uh, holding the place warm for mm. Juan Carreton Celotti. Uh, it's interesting because Denise, I think, is much more attack-oriented uh, than, well, than... I'm not saying Van Celotti or Tite were, because obviously those mm. were attacking managers in a situation. Yeah. But he's, he's almost more sort of philosophically, more of the press and stuff. I don't know how well uh, that works. They did create chances. They could have scored more. But... Can I just show some love to, to Venezuela and their friend Ale Moreno? Oh, I was going to say. This is a huge, huge point for them. 
A tremendous I think, I saw, Did you I, see the goal, the overhead game? Oh, they, when they scored, they were, I think Ali Moreno was in the stands. Did you <laughs> see all those, all those people celebrating in the, in the Venezuela end? But um, a tremendous goal as well oh, for, 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 for Venezuela. Didn't so. have too many chances other than that, though, didn't no, they? No, yeah, Brazil will be just fine. But, you know, let Venezuela yeah, uh, yeah. celebrate. Christian Pulisic um, scores a great goal for the United States, but then Julian Nagelsmann, on his debut as Germany coach, cues a 3-1 comeback. Robo, how did the Euro 2024 host look? And would you like to say some nice things about Pulisic? Well, first of all, I'll say the nice things about Pulisic. His goal was exceptional. You know, he, he started off down one end of the field. He played a little one-two. He got into the box. Great finish with his right foot. A fantastic finish. Uh, as for Germany... It's interesting that they're going to go back to the old way of playing with a big centre forward. Full Krieg played up front. Zale played on the right-hand side. Wurz uh, on the left-hand side. Uh, Musiala played in behind. Gundogan in central midfield alongside Gross. But I slightly won- uh, worry and wonder why Hummels is making a comeback. You know, I've seen him play for Dortmund over recent times. And he can't run anymore. I, I would assume it's because he feels he doesn't maybe necessarily have a right back. And so it's almost like the, what we, you know, the old three and a half system. Because yeah. Jonathan Todd was a yeah, right yeah. back. Yeah. So the idea, whoa, we have possession. Yeah, we have possession all the time. So it's yeah. really a back three and then the left back pushes on. But I'm, uh, and this now, people will argue that Sula was the substitute. Sula, according to Fanishtil, uh, one of the commentators on the Bundesliga, Lutz Fanishtil, over the over uh, a 15-metre distance, Suler is one of the quickest players in the Bundesliga. He is very fast over mm. longer distances. People mm. don't think so, so mm. because he's enormous. But obviously, 15 metres, I'm not sure. Yeah, so, um, so could you still over play 50, him at centre-half alongside Rudiger? That would surely be a better centre-half combination. I would have thought so. Mm. Now, Argentina stayed perfect in qualifying with a 1-0 win over Paraguay. Gab, your thoughts on that one? So first of all, Otamendi. What a goal oh, after three minutes, 35-year-old center half. Bosh, take yeah. that. Uh, well, works. well, what's that play? Well, I, I was very happy for him. Yeah. Um, after that, this game got really physical, really nasty, as often happens when you play Paraguay. Uh, Messi came on, and I think inside the hour mark, he hits the woodwork twice. When the corner kick, he almost scored the Olympic goal. Where, yeah, yeah. You know, he hits the woodwork yeah. off a corner kick. Uh, another one um, off... Uh, sent, uh, and he uh, sent the goalkeeper the wrong kick. way from a free kick, yeah. Yeah. Uh, come on. It's, it's fun to watch. He, 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 can, he, the, can, he can strike balls. A couple of sending-offs should there have been during the game? I think there could have been many. Could have yeah. been, been many. Wales beat Croatia 2-1 to keep their qualifying hopes alive as uh, Harry Wilson scores two goals. Robo, it's going down to the wire for Luka Modric and co. Absolutely. It's them or Wales. Uh, and Wales showed better spirit. They showed better form. I thought Wales played well. Harry Wilson scored a couple of very good goals. Um, Did you know he could head the ball? No, he's I didn't know. He's a guy. He's, a, he's, a, he's known for his free kicks. He's known yeah. for his left foot. It was a great run for the first goal. And as is always the case with Croatia in the last, well, I have to say, last few years, in midfield, they still look a very good side. They've still got players that can play out from the back. It's in the front areas where they just lack that little bit of extra creativity. That's the problem for them. Now, Portugal, meanwhile, make it seven wins out of seven as they beat Slovakia 3-2. And funny enough, Cristiano Ronaldo adds to his goals tally. Two he got. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest performance from Portugal. But no. you know what? It's difficult to get the motivation up, as we said. Like when you've won every game so far, he, he scored a penalty. The other one's a far post tap. But 125 goals for the great man. He's now only 65 goals behind Christine Sinclair for the all-time international record. I'm kidding, guys. I'm kidding. He has by far scored by far more goals in the men's game than anybody else. 
Looking ugly for Poland as they're held at home by Moldova. 1-1. No Robert Lewandowski, of course, but surely you expect more, Robo. Absolutely. And they probably deserve more. They got lots of crosses into the box. They had people attacking the ball. They had three or four headers that should have been scored from. They didn't. Uh, Moldova got an earlyish goal and uh, Poland are struggling at the yeah. moment. Don't control their destiny. How about Turkey and young boy, <laughs> your boy, Vincenzo Mon- uh, Montella? They beat Latvia, a very poor Latvia, it has to be safe, uh, 4-0, and have qualified now to... Latvia, Latvia are not very good at playing football right now. Not so I don't want to get too excited. I just want to celebrate Turkey because they, they brought it home. Or Turkey, as we meant to call them. Turkey, as they're known now. Um, they, they, they change managers. Uh, it's obviously big for them because they'll be hosting uh, uh, 2032. Um, and I think they are, do have some really interesting players coming through. Yeah. Of course, I'm happy for Montella. Yeah. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. El Mundo Deportivo reports that Pep Guardiola at Manchester City may look to pick up Tony Kroos when his contract with Real Madrid expires next summer. Good idea, Robo? He's still performing quite well, I would say, for Real Madrid. He's still an excellent passer of the ball. I question his defensive qualities, as I would have questioned them when he was a lot younger, but they're getting worse now. And he's quite often played as the holding midfield player when uh, Ancelotti hasn't been happy with Chuamani. He hasn't done that job particularly well. Is he better than Phillips? Uh, who Man- Guardiola doesn't doesn't like at all at Man City? Yeah, probably he's a much better player in terms of his, his passing quality. Is it a good idea? I don't think so. Yeah, I think he's, 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 his days are gone. At his age, in a yeah. passing in a, yeah. in, in a pressing side, in a yeah. different team, yeah. sure. But, but um, his, his days are gone. I wonder if this is a little little mischievous too. In Mundo Deportivo, mm. of course, from uh, Catalonia. You know, reporting yeah, yeah. rumours involving a uh, oh, Real Madrid player. You, you won't believe it, would you? Uh, so, since Sheikh Yazim will not be buying Manchester United, he's now been linked with Inter Milan or Inter. Is this doable, Gav? We Inter have been for sale for a long, long time. Yeah. It's you know, side cheaper. Yeah. The asking price, I think, around 1.2 billion euros. Has it got um, as much potential? I, the thing with Inter is, obviously, you need to clear a lot of debt. You need to pay for a new stadium. Does it have the same potential as Manchester United? No, they're not, no. unless they join the Premier League. No. no. Um, also, you know, but if he decides that he's a big football fan, he wants to get involved. But, of course, how do I say this nicely? With Sheikh Yassim, there was always a sense, hey, are you a big football fan, and is this really your money, or is this part of some broader um, scheme to serve the interests of, of Qatar and 
if it's the latter, they're already involved with Paris Saint-Germain. I don't know. It's costing them a ton of money. I don't know how much longer that's going to go. So, no. I mean, I think Inter are a nice fixer-upper if you have a couple billion and you can run the club better and turn them, you know, help them achieve their potential financially as well. Um, but I, I, I don't know why he would necessarily get no. involved unless, unless he has the money. Flo Balogun told our colleague Conor O'Halloran on ESPN that Mikel Arteta would have kept him around, but people above the manager's head decided he had to go. Robert, are you buying this? And who would you have kept? Balogun or Inketia? Are you Team Flo or Team Eddie? Well, I think you know what you're going to get with Inketia, and that's probably not quite good enough. So Balogun, I would have probably kept. Uh, there's, you know, we, we haven't seen his full potential. He, he may go on and be an excellent player. And Ketia is going to, always going to be in the minds, I think, Arsenal fans and everybody that watches him. Just that little bit off the, the top that would make Arsenal title winners. Uh, so was it a case that maybe the... Well, first of all... But I would I'd probably say that Arteta probably didn't sell it to the people above him either. He didn't say, hey, well, he's way, way better than Nketiah. 1,000%. So, if, first of all, Arteta's muscle mm. with the money men and the people mm. above him has only increased because of the season he had of last course. year. Um, I I would assume that, you know, they probably said to him, hey, Eddie was a free agent. You made us give him this big contract a mm. year ago. Um, are you sure this other dude is better? Because mm. it's going to be difficult to shift Eddie. Mm. Uh, and Arteta, and he probably said exactly what you said. Yeah. I know what I get with Eddie. Yeah. Can Balogun adapt? How quickly can he adapt? Should we cash it? And also, they probably also said to him, hey, um, we got to pay for Declan Rice and Kai Havertz and Urien Timber. Yeah. If we can get some money from Balogun, let's shift Balogun. Yeah. And obviously, they're going to get more money for Balogun than they're going to get for Eddie. Yeah. Simple as. Now, the Daily Mail reports that a number of Premier League owners, led by who else but Todd Bowley, are pushing for every single Premier League game to be televised domestically from 2029. Gab, how likely is this? So, look, first of all, I'm, they're doing their jobs, right? Yeah. Businessmen, they want to maximize TV revenue and they think they're going to get that by showing every single game. Um, already, it's going to increase. In the next right cycle, um, it's going to go up to either 250 or 270 uh, for the uh, four years leading up mm. to 2029. Um, this, as you know, speaks right to the heart of English culture. The three o'clock Saturday blackout, mm. because if you're going to televise every game, unless you decide we're never going to play at three o'clock on Saturday and, you know, crap on that aspect of English football history like you've crapped on mm. other ones, uh, you will then have to lift the three o'clock back up. Mm. How do you feel about I mean, you grew up here, right? And back when there was no football on mm. television or very little. Mm, very little. But how do you feel about the three? Is, is, is it important for the lower leagues? Is it is it part of ingrained in the minds of the pyramid right down to non-league football? Uh, I, I suppose, uh, yeah, it, most people that, that work from a, a mon- a nine to five on, a, on a Monday to Friday uh, probably want to spend the day with their family on a Sunday. Three o'clock is the ideal time for people to go and watch football in England. You know, uh, we're not talking so about the Premier League. in the stadium, not sit at home. Not sit, at, sit yeah. at home. See, if you want to go and watch a game, three o'clock's the ideal time. You can go and do a little bit of shopping in the morning, to take your kids to the park or whatever it is. Then you say to, the, to your wife or whatever, or as the wife says to the husband, I'm now going to go and watch the football. Uh, I'll, I'm, I'm going to leave at half past. If you leave coast, I'm going to leave at half past one. I'll be back by six. It's the ideal time to watch football for me. All right, so you're, you're a bit of a traditionalist there. Yeah, yeah. See, my take on this is I think there's also an element of fairness involved, mm. right? I, I would do it in such a way that 
only sellouts hmm. can be shown um, if you are going to lift the three o'clock back out. Hmm. Um, and look, uh, most Premier League games sell out because there's also an element of, of fairness. Hmm. Look, I'm an Arsenal fan. I can never get a ticket because I hmm. can't afford one because because they always sell out because hmm. I don't have a season ticket, hmm. right? So I think there's a lot to be said for that. And, you know, is it fair to go and protect the rights of dorking wanderers against the rights of Arsenal fans who want to watch your team? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think this is a debate to be had. I don't think watching a game on television is a substitute for going in person. No, so. I think the pyramid is healthy enough that people will still go. Yeah. Um, but I think this is something you need to think about. And I think they need to also think about, you know, the priority is to be full stadiums. So... I would actually, to incentivize clubs, I would actually say, hey, you can show your game on TV if you sell out and extend it to clubs in the championship too. But don't, and clubs still say they've sold out and then you get to the ground and it's it's uh, three quarters full. Yeah, because so they've sold they, their tickets. They, they, yeah. they they that's, they that, that's poor pricing. That's yeah. all it is. Uh, Bild in Germany reporting that Socrates Papastatopoulos, who is a free agent, is a target for buying given the injuries to Upamecano and Matthijs de Ligt. Rabo, I am a big Socrates fan. I feel really bad about the injuries that kind of stopped him from becoming what he could have become. Obviously, the spell at Arsenal didn't quite work out. But he's 35 now. There must be a reason he's unattached. Is it necessary to add bodies like this? Not really, no. Socrates, as as you just said, was an excellent player, particularly when he was playing for Borussia Dortmund. I thought he, he was fast, he was strong, he was decent on the ball as well. I thought he was a good leader. But there's a reason that he's, he's unattached. Uh, he's older now. He can't run quite so quickly, which is one of his major strengths. Uh, he's not played for a little while. Uh, it's not a good idea to bring something but, like I mean, that. are you really so stru- stuck now for bodies? At the, mm. I was I mean, asked in the summer, as George, mm. like, when they kept adding oversized mm. centre-backs, right? Mm. You know, the Opamecano, the late, mm. and they get Kim. And obviously, they, people have left. Hernandez mm. has left. Uh, Pavard has left. Mm. Both, both of them could play centre-back. Yeah. But it seems crazy to me that now they're shorthanded just and you're, you're, a cl- you're a club like Bayern Munich and you haven't got anybody coming through the, the system that could come and do a good job as centre I, I think if Tommy T were here he would say yeah not just that we don't have any defensive midfielders where we can move into the back that's mm-hmm. why I wanted to get Palinha you know what if I had a big tall dude who could occasionally step into the back yeah. line oh no I don't have that either no. all you have is these little dudes like, like Joshua Kimmich and Musiala right what am I supposed to do Give us some sympathy for him. No, no. Uh, former Genk, Bruges or Brugge and Monaco boss Philippe Clement will be replacing Michael Bill at Rangers. Is it a good choice, Gab? So obviously he's going to be evaluated only on one thing. Will he finish ahead of Celtic, right? Um, probably not. <laughs> probably certainly not this season. But I think he's a good coach. I think he's shown that in the right dimension. Um, and obviously he won titles at Genk. I think he won, he yep. won titles at Bruges too, right? Yep. Uh, he can deliver success and you know wasn't great at Monaco for a number of reasons uh, but I think Rangers could be the right dimension I like you know I I like the fact that he says screw this I'm going to Scotland right Mm -hmm. I got full stadium 50,000 fans or however many you've got the chance to to be a hero I got a chance to play European football and judge me on that not on you know how quickly do I close the gap with Celtic Mm. there's got to be more to it than that yep Roma and Jose Mourinho have been linked with a move for Eric Dyer, who isn't getting much playing time under my man and Jet Spurs. Rob, if your phone rings, it's Jose, and he says, oh, what do you think? 
what do you want? Do you want somebody that's okay on the ball and uh, can you know pass it quite well or pl- play longer passes into the front players, or do you want a good defender? If he says, I want a good defender, I say, I don't get Eric Dyer. He's not quick enough. He doesn't read danger quickly enough. Uh, he's a liability. If you want somebody who's just going to play out from the back because you're going to be on top in most games, which Roma aren't at the moment, it, it, you might want to pick him. But I would say no. I'm not a, a, an Eric Dyer fan at the moment. I think they've had, he's had injuries back there. And I think he likes, I mean, Dyer, he loved Dyer when he worked mm. with Dyer. He was... Dyer was a Jose loyalist. I think that that's maybe part of his thinking there. He could he could do a Daniele De Rossi job for Roma, couldn't he? Because he, remember he played in midfield. We really have Brian like, Cristante to do yeah, that. Yeah, but he played in midfield quite a bit. And at one point, uh, De Rossi went from a holding midfield player to sweeper back into holding midfield player. I think that was under uh, Luis Enrique, was that? Right. So anyway, uh, now Inter have been linked with a move for Porto's Meditaremi in January. Does this make sense to you, Geb? Again, a wise man says there mm-hmm. are no bad assets, only incorrectly priced assets. Um, Taremi has six months left in his deal. Uh, he's 31 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he's not going to get younger. Um, but then again, you're asking him to provide you something mm-hmm. off the bench that the guys, Alexis Sanchez is 37 or whatever, mm-hmm. or now Pivich is 34 and vice versa, aren't providing you. So yeah, he can do a job, but at what cost are you going to get him? I think Inter saying, going to Porto and say, dude, you're not going to sign a new contract. You can lose him for free in the summer. Load him to us or, or whatever. Give him yeah. to us for between 5 and $10 million. Um, You know, not a lot of money. Three-year deal. Then I think Inter have gotten themselves a good, hard-working player. And I think that's something that, that they've lost. I think they're hoping that he can be... He's not like Jekko in the sense that he doesn't have Jekko's um, technical ability. No. But he has a physicality and he has work rate. And and I think that's something, you know, Lautaro's different skills, Turama's different skills. They thought they were going to get it from Arnauto. Arnauto is injured as I can be back until the end of November. Um, so this is a yes. It's a better option. From what I'm hearing here, Gabby, you're saying yes. If the good price option. is right, Mediterranean is a very, I, I think he's a very good footballer in his day. Fabrizio Romano reports that Chelsea's Trevor Chalaba is on the market in January. Now, obviously, he was close to a move to uh, Bayern uh, in August, mm. speaking of Bayern centre-backs. I just want to know, why isn't he getting on the pitch? I'm not, I'm not sure. You can... it, it feels like, I get it, right? You you have, obviously, Fofana's injured. Mm-hmm. You have Dezazi, you've got Colwell, and you have Thiago Silva, yeah. right? What I don't get is it feels like Thiago Silva, oh, if he's fit, he plays every game, which means mm. he shouldn't be doing at his age, no. right? Dezassi, not my cup of tea, but whatever. You just yeah, 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 yeah. Colwell, phenomenal, but then he often likes to play Colwell at yeah. fullback yeah. for some weird reason. Not that he can't play there, but clearly you already have Matson and Chilwell. Mm. Why you got, whatever. That's, I'm not going to, but it seems like Chalaba, he just doesn't, you put Chalaba on the Lukaku step. And, that happens with some managers. You know, we don't know. We we only see what goes on on, on the pitch. You know, you think, well, Chalabar's a decent player and why isn't he getting a look in? You have to go behind the scenes and when Pochettino is trying to get the player to understand the tactics, he's not getting him to do certain things and he can't do them, then straight away a manager or a coach thinks, I, I, I can't trust him or he's not going to be the player that I want, so I'm not going to pick him. You know, let's move him on. 
And that can happen with quite good players. You know, every coach has a different idea about certain players. You just mentioned about uh, Mourinho liking Eric Dyer. He saw something in Eric Dyer that Ange doesn't like. And that could be the case with Pochettino with Chalaba. What I would hate is that this is simply a situation where Chalaba is a player who can be monetized mm. more so than... Because you can make the similar thing about Marco Correa, yeah. right? Marco Correa, what, he's going to be... Marco Correa is a left-back or a left-sided mm. center-back, mm. right? Uh, he obviously doesn't fit into Poch's plans. Nope. Um, he's literally, you know, <laughs> whatever order you want to put them in, Chilwell, Matson, Colwell mm. are ahead of him at left yeah. back. So he plays right back when everybody else is injured. Mm. Um, and yet he's still around. And I don't think it's because he necessarily thinks Kukurea is a better player than, no. than Chalaba. I think it's because Kukurea arrived for a lot of money, which means high amortization. He probably signed a big contract because this is before they started, you know, giving out the smaller contracts. Chalaba is homegrown, so whatever money you get when you sell him, which seems to have been the case at Chelsea for a long, long time now. When you look at all I, the players that have gone somewhere else, yeah, you know, I get that, mm. but it doesn't help Kukurea. No, I mean he still gets paid whenever to play the game. Yeah, I get all that, right? But it doesn't help him. Doesn't help Chalaba, and I'm not sure it helps. I'm not sure it helps Chelsea either. Now, Antonio Conte says he would like to work with a team that has won something recently. He pointed out that when he took over at Chelsea and Juventus, they both both finished seventh the season before. Yeah, I look. He, the problem is, uh, yeah, we. I, I'm sure he'd love to replace Pep Guardiola at Manchester City. You know, yeah. I'm sure. Um, but the point is, when teams bring in a new manager, it's usually because the old manager hasn't done well and hasn't mm. won, right? Or, I mean, in some cases, obviously, they retire mm. or whatever. So, yeah, thank you, Captain Obvious. And by the way, I might suggest that the fact that you took over Chelsea and Juventus after seventh place finishes absolutely helped you because mm. you weren't playing European football and you were successful straight away. You could go in and shout and scream and, you know, make demands of the ownership precisely because, guys, we, we, we stunk it up last year. I'm going to, you know, rip everything up, rebuild everything. It's easier to come into a bad situation mm. and turn it around. Yeah. And it's much harder to think that, like, oh, well, I'm just going to go and ride on somebody else's coattails. An arrest warrant has been issued in California for Daniel Sturridge after he reportedly failed to attend a court summons robo. This stems from an incident in 2019 when his dog went missing and he offered a reward for its return. A rapper, and I'm not making this up, named Killa Fame, um, no relation to Ghostface Killa, in case you're wondering, uh, says he returned the dog but never got the $30,000 reward, which is why he's suing him. Sturridge says... It wasn't him, but it was, quote, a young boy who returned the dog and duly got his re- reward. I'm reliably informed, by the way, Killer Fame is not a, quote, young boy. Uh, are you Team Sturridge or Team Killer Fame in this one? Well, I've got to say I do like Killer Fame's music. I think he's absolutely outstanding when he's, when he's playing at his very best. Um, we have to be careful because it's uh, a legal matter at the moment, but... It's okay. Uh, this is the this this is this is the UK where you're oh, not God, a, where somebody gets arrested. Oh no, there's legal proceedings. Let's never mention Gilfie Sigurdsson's name ever again. Ha! I did it. I can mention Gilfie Sigurdsson's name now. We don't have to pretend like he never existed. Sorry. Side so, question. So, th- he, what's happened? He, he says a boy's done it. Uh, given well, he's given the, the boy the money. He brought the dog back. Now but he gives, didn't say how much he gave him. So maybe he didn't. Oh yeah. But the, the, yeah. the thirty thousand dollars was the reward, wasn't it? Um, I'm going to go with Daniel Sturridge. I think he's probably telling the 
truth. And Killer Fame thinks it's a way of him getting a bit more extra money because his records aren't selling very well at the moment. I, I, I don't know. I just love the thing. There's like a picture of Killer Fame in the car with a with like the dog with with a dog that looks like maybe it could the, be his maybe dog there's two dogs. Like, maybe there's two dogs. Well, I was wondering, twins. like, could he have found like a picture of Sturridge's dog on Instagram and gone and bought another dog and said, like, hey, look, here you go. Because as they say about the the, the sort of um, pyramids, in uh, once you've seen one dog, you've seen them all, haven't you? There you go. They are they're all identical. Now, Gab Zlatan Ibrahimovic says he helped launch Rafael Leal's career and could have done the same for Mario Balotelli, but Super Mario wasted too many chances. Okay, first of all, with all the love and affection in the world mm. for Slatan, mm. I don't know about young Slatan. Like, if we're talking about young players making mistakes mm. and so on, I, I think he probably made a few, didn't he? I think young Slatan might have made a few. I think, but maybe this was Slatan's point. Maybe Slatan's point was like, oh, by the time I played with Balotelli at Inter, I wasn't young Slatan anymore. I had a good head on my shoulders and I could have shown you the way, Super Mario. Um, Super Mario did not take it well. He didn't like being compared in a negative sense to Rafael Leal. And a little bit, I can see his point, because by the time Super Mario was Leal's age, that's when he was good. That's when he Mm. was, you know, scoring two goals in the Manchester Derby, winning things with Manchester City. That's when he had to be taken off in the World Cup game against Uruguay because he was going to get sent off, and eventually Italy lost. You know, uh, it's happened to other people in in the past who've done stupid things. Um... But it's funny because he took this personally. He was obviously watching. He replied uh, on Instagram with a picture of the Champions League trophy, yeah, of which, course. of course, he won. Yeah. yeah, Sort of. I mean, he lost his place in the starting side to Goran Pandev, who, by the way, Goran Pandev wasn't always old, but he was old back then already. Um, and then he said, and then he takes a little backhanded jibe. He says, Slatan, don't worry about it. I love you anyway. Oh, and by the way, and if you're, he's referring to the 2008-09 season when they were knocked out by uh, Manchester United. He talked about how Slatan was scared in Manchester. So this is perfect Slatan trolling. And we'll see if Slatan responds. I'm sure he will. I, I find it entertaining anyway. Um, Robo, this brings us to an end. But thank you so much for filling in. We're going to be back on Thursday. Um, I'm going to have Nita Manua with me. And making his studio debut. The one, the only, Luis Miguel Echegaray talking a bit of South American qualifiers. Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. Love yourself.